0: Good morning. How are you all doing today? Good. Three of you are doing pretty well. So I guess I'll talk to you three. Uh, So there were four couples that had met each other over the course of the last few months. Each of them was expecting, and so going to the doctor, uh, they'd kind of run into each other in the waiting rooms and everything. And they decided, you know what, let's let's become friends. And and so they went to out to eat after each of them was supposed to have their appointment, uh, which told, you know, everything was healthy and what was going to be expected and all of that with the baby. And so they're eating, and, and the first couple says, you know what, this is the craziest thing. You guys are never going to believe it, but we're going to have twins, and I work for the Minnesota Twins. And everybody's like, wow, that's crazy. And the next couple is like, that's nothing, because I work for 3M, and we're actually having triplets. And so the fourth couple is like, yeah, well, we can top you, and this is going to be hard, but I work for four seasons, and yeah, you're right, we're having quadruplets. And the fourth couple, the guy just looks at his wife, and he'd grown increasingly silent, and she nods her head solemnly, and he just starts crying and slams his head on the table. And she's like, he just got a job for 7-Up, and we're having seven. <laughs> and so, Thanks. Okay, so we we are continuing the Amazing Acts series, and this is a really cool series. It's a vital series because we are talking about the acts of the disciples, but also the acts of the new church and our acts as the church. Uh, And and often we, we focus on Paul and we focus on a few key figures. But as we go through, we're going to talk about people like today we are talking about Ananias, And the scripture that you heard in the New Testament, often that leads to talking about Saul. And he's such an amazing figure and such a a powerful figure to talk about. But Ananias also was called to something big, something important and something unwanted. And so I want to read just back to that verse 10. Uh, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street the house of Judas, when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying, for me, praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. So we don't know much about Ananias either before or after this moment. Uh, He's not a pastor, he's not an evangelist, he's not a missionary, he's not a a music minister, uh, he's not an elder, a bishop, a a general superintendent, he's a believer of Christ. He's just an average believer like us. He's just an average person who is there to listen to Jesus, and he's called to something. And so he hears that call, and he knows that call, and immediately he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. are you sure? Again, not that he didn't trust God, not that he didn't trust God, everything that he was doing. But it's such a hard, amazingly hard thing. And sometimes we are called to things like that, things that we don't want to do, things that are hard, things that are difficult, things that are scary. And so he knew of Saul. And last week we talked about Stephen and his death. And Saul was there. Saul was a part of that. Saul was a known murderer. And there's no, you know, sugarcoating that. Like he was involved in the death of believers. He was involved in persecuting them. When he was stopped by Jesus on the road, he's on his way to, to arrest believers of Christ. And so Ananias knew all of that. And he knew Stephen and he knew everything about this guy. And he's like, whoa, how can this possibly be something I'm supposed to do? And so one of the amazing things about God and his call on our lives is it's specific to each of us. And so we each get what we need. And so for Saul, he needed to be blinded. He needed to stop seeing things the way that he'd seen them and to realize that the only way he could truly see is through Christ. For Ananias, he needed specific instructions. Because again, this is a scary thing. And he was just your average guy. And so he needed specific instructions. Go to this street, to this house. Do this exact thing. So that that would give him confirmation each step of the way. And God knew that when he talked to him. He knew that he needed to hear it in that specific way. He needed to know all of this so that he could feel uh, more courageous. But more than that, he still had to say yes. You see, God's work is going to get done no matter what. But it's our role to say yes as to whether we're involved in it or not. Because if Ananias had said no in fear... Somebody else would have been involved here because God's not stopped by no's of us. And so Ananias still had to say yes, even despite his questions, even despite his worry for safety. And so I have a, a quote that actually applies to both Ananias and Saul. When God interrupts your life, he is calling you to follow him in a new way. By breaking into your settled pattern, he is moving you to a new place where you can make fresh discoveries of his grace. Embracing God's call is never easy, but this is where the pursuit of a God-centered life begins and where the shame of a self-centered life is exposed. As we're in church and as we've gone through different church services, we all kind of know or we believe that when we're called to something, God doesn't just walk away for six months and be like, I'll come back and I'll check on you. He, he goes with us and he equips us and, and it's always said he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called or something like that. And so we know that he helps us, and we know that he's there, and we know that he has a purpose. And we know that his work will be done with or without us, but it gives us a chance to be involved, just like with Ananias. And this quote goes to both Ananias and Saul because they were completely shaken out of their lives, completely changed. And and Saul, as we know, was called to major things. Uh, He started churches. He trained disciples. He wrote half the New Testament. Like, he is a name we remember with Christianity. We know Jesus, and we know Paul, and we know Peter. Like, these names are what got the church going. These are the people who who did that. And and so we know Saul. Ananias, like I said, we don't super know. And a lot of people could be like, oh, all he did was go and help this." This is a huge thing because he followed God despite his fear. He followed God despite his questions. He followed God no matter what. And it's not the same as what Saul did, but it still mattered to Saul's ministry to not just because he was the one that went and prayed with him, but Saul remembered the trust that Ananias had put in him in that situation. Uh, There's a story of Billy Graham, and I think we all know Billy Graham. And he was obviously a wonderful pastor who would be on TV and video and wrote books and did all of these things to further uh, the call of Christ in the world. And he did so many things, and he's similar to Paul in a lot of ways. Well, when he was very young, before he'd accepted the call to his ministry, uh, he went to a revival. And the revival was packed, you know, kind of like here. And it was packed. And the ushers in the back had been instructed not to bring anybody else up because, you know, it would distract. And the service had just started and and they wanted to get things going and revivals can be kind of long and all that. And so Billy Graham came in a little late and he comes to the back and he's a young guy. And the usher knows what he's supposed to do. But he just feels something in that moment. And he says, you know what, I'm going to find you a seat. And he does, and he might take some heat for it, but he still does it. Now, Billy Graham's ministry would have been his ministry no matter what, because God had that purpose. But that usher still played a role, and I don't know his name, and his name may have been lost, but like Ananias, he still did something that God called him to do. He felt that call, and he took part in it. And he followed him no matter what, even if he was going to get in trouble, even if he was going to get lectured. He still followed him because he knew God was saying something. It would be so awesome if the calls on our life were super easy. Like if Randy... God came to him and said, you know what? Your job, your call is now going to be to eat ice cream every single day. That's your ministry. Randy's like, sweet. Now, if you're lactose intolerant, maybe that's a tough call. But for the most part, that's great. Or or if he comes to Jason and he's like, you know what? Your role, your ministry is now going to be to receive $100 every day. Nice. That's pretty good. It's very rarely something like that. Sometimes it's we have to go in situations we don't want to be in or we have to talk to people we may not want to talk to or we have to forgive people we may not want to forgive. We have to teach, we have to volunteer. Sometimes we're told to volunteer with VBS. It's a personal anecdote. (laughs) But sometimes we do these things, we're called to these things and it's so hard and we have to get out of our comfort zone and we're scared and we're doubtful and we don't know what to do. Sometimes we're not sure. The Old Testament reading about Moses, as you read through his life over and over and over again, he questioned God. More than that, he literally argued with God. Now imagine that. God called him and he's like, God, I don't know. Are you sure? And he heard God's voice as if it were music in his ears, and yet he still questioned it. He still wondered. He questioned himself, and God still had a purpose for him. And Ananias, he's not questioning God, but he's like, this is, are you sure about this soul guy? Like you saw what he just did. You know what he's doing. Are you positive here, God? And sometimes we wonder that. And it's okay to ask that. And sometimes we're not sure, but he is because he doesn't make accidents and he has a purpose for everything, for everyone. Uh, my story of getting into the ministry. So I remember so clearly the call. And it's one of those things where, where it's almost verbal. You can hear God on your life. And I remember exactly where I was. I was a senior in college and the year was wrapping up. And I was studying English because I was really going for the big bucks. From English to ministry, I, you know. Uh, and I was walking down the stairs of, of La Follette, I even remember the building, and I just remember so clearly this feeling of, you have to go into the ministry, and I'm like, what? Because I literally would skip classes and take a lower grade, and I care very much about grades, to avoid presentations. I was terrified of public speaking. Terrified of it. I was so anxious and so worried, and I didn't think I could do it. And I hear that call, and I'm like, What? How can I do that? I can't go to college for four more years to be a pastor. Like, I don't know how to do this. And it's not that I said no, but I'm like, are you sure? And I kept just kept going on my path. And I went to get a master's in creative writing because you got to spend money to make money or not make money. And I kept seeking him. I kept wondering, you know, are you sure? I don't know. It can't be. This can't be right. I must be mishearing this. And then I after graduate school I went home and my great grandmother had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and I went to stay with her and take care of her as she'd raised me. And that very first Sunday after I came home back to Seymour there was a call for volunteers in youth ministry that very first Sunday. Because even though I was unsure of myself and even though I was unsure of my call God's like I'm still here. And so over time, I continued to follow him and I continued to seek him and I accepted it. And I am not special. But he is and he knows what he's doing. And so going to verse 15. But the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. I want you for a second to imagine being Ananias. Now, not just being called to go into a dangerous situation, But this next part is almost as crazy and almost as hard. Because it's one thing to be like, okay, you got to go and you got to talk to this murderer. But he's now told this guy who I know murdered your friend, he's going to be a pastor. He's going to start churches and he's going to bring the ministry, to bring the the word of me, the word of Jesus to to the masses, to kings, to, to Gentiles. And so Ananias is like, what? Like, it's one thing for me to go here, Lord, but are you serious? Are you sure? And I think sometimes we don't, because we know so much about Paul, sometimes we don't really realize how crazy this was. This is like you can imagine someone who had literally been convicted of murder. Like in the news or they the gone to prison and it's not a thing like maybe they did it, maybe they didn't, or I heard this or I heard that. It's like we know for a fact this happened. And then all of a sudden, they're called to be like Billy Graham or something. And that was Saul. And it's like, what? This is insane. How could I possibly do this? And so Ananias was scared, and we know that. But he also could have been judgy. And he could have gone in word with what God had called him to do. And said, okay, Saul, I'm here. Here's the food. And tossed him a banana. And like, I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just not been with his heart but just kind of been like, you know, I don't like you, you don't deserve this, but God said it, so here you go. Or like how sometimes we weaponize, I'm going to pray for you. Like, I'm going to pray for you. Just know that now, come on. And so he could have done that. He could have been a jerk and he could have been angry. And honestly, Saul deserved that. And after this moment, I'm sure that we know that Saul received judgment from other people, and there were people that were afraid to go to listen to him, and disciples were afraid of him, and, and uh, his, his former Pharisee brothers were afraid of him, and everybody was like, I don't know what to do with you. And so he felt that his whole life, because people are never shy about reminding us of our past. But also for Ananias, there were probably people that are like, how could you possibly do that? You have to be wrong about this. Like, Jesus wouldn't want you to talk to Saul. What are you doing? And so he probably felt that too. And yet, as scared as he was, and as questioning as he was, and as worried as he was, he still did it because he trusted God. You see, we are called to be like Jesus, which is really hard in a world like this. But we are called to be like him. And regardless of our calling, it's that example that we need to set, that we must set, that that we show other people. And so I have a quote from Billy Graham, actually. It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. Now, Billy Graham was not shy about sharing the truth. He never hid the message. But he knew his role. And you see, we are not the convictors. We cannot convince someone that their life needs to change. We cannot convict someone of their sin. We are not the judges. It's not on us to do that, to, be, to pick who goes to heaven and who doesn't. We are to love. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't advise. It doesn't mean we don't share. It doesn't mean that we don't help. It means that we know we are not Jesus. We are supposed to point people to Him. And He does all the heavy lifting We are to love, to show, to live the truth, to be like him. And Ananias showed this amazingly. Even in what to many seemed like a small call, he went and he showed love to a person that did not deserve it. Because he trusted God. Sometimes we get so caught up in wanting to be right because we know this is it. We know this life is what you're supposed to You're supposed to follow Jesus. That's how we get to heaven. And we know that. And we can get so frustrated with people. And so we want them to know that we are right. And so we sometimes fall into making sure they understand what we are saying. And we want to make them into little us's. it's like, you live like me. You look like me. You act like me. This is what it means. That's not what it means. Our job is to be like Jesus, to show people the way to Jesus, and to help them to see that He is the way. He is the truth, and He is the light. We just get to play a role in this. Maybe we won't be Paul. Not everybody can go and start every church and do all of these things that he did, But we can be Ananias. We can do the day-to-day things that we're called to do. We can follow his word. We can be an example of him. We can not hate people. But it's still so easy to get caught up in all of this. And it's so easy to get frustrated. And and to lose our our motivation. And and to wonder why do we keep doing this. Because the world keeps not being better. Uh, Going to Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. The word for endurance used there in Greek is hupomone or hoopomony. I was going to look up the, pre- the pronunciation. I could only find the, vi- the verbal ones, and I didn't want to play that up here. But what it means is determination, unhurrying, yet undelaying, going steadily on. And this calls us to throw away the weights that weigh us down, and yes, sin. But also our judgment of others and our anger and our grudges and all of these things that we hold on to. And it mentions the witnesses that have gone before. And that means a couple different things. Number one, there are so many witnesses who have gone before us, who have served, who who, who love him, who have exemplified him. And if you think about your own life, people that have meant something to you in the church, Sunday school teachers, pastors, uh, uh, just people who have prayed with you or prayed over you. And there are also all the people throughout the Bible, people that that we see their example, we see who they are, and they're witnesses. They have gone before we learn from them, we learn from Jesus. But also there are witnesses always around. And they watch how we handle things, they watch how we treat other people. They're checking to see if our words match up to our actions. They watch what we post. They watch what we tweet. What we TikTok. I know this is a TikTok crab. And they wonder. Not if we're perfect. Because nobody expects that. But. Does following Jesus actually make you any different? And they watch us for that. They're witnesses to that. I mention politics a lot because it's so frustrating to me. And I know that technically there's multiple sides, but really there's two sides. And both of them are so insulting and get so angry. And it hurts me so much when I see Christians get caught up in that. And people also see that. And they wonder, what's it mean to follow Jesus? One of the hardest things about being an example is knowing we're going to fail. You're going to fail sometime. You are. We all are. And there are people that have a list of my failures. Those people are actually me. But that in itself can also be an example how we handle that, how we learn from it, how we grow from, from the guilt and the shame and how we let that go, how we toss that weight aside and how we look to him, we point people to him, we apologize. We admit when we're wrong. We admit when we mess up and we say, I am doing my best to serve him. There are two things that, that you know about me, probably more, but two things for the purpose of this point. Number one, that I talk a lot. No laughter hurts me a little bit on that, but that's fine. Because that implies, never mind. Uh, number two, and I'm told this, is that I'm very open. And I'm very, quote unquote, real. And that's just because that's the only way I know how to do it, and I trust him, but, but that doesn't make me special. That's just me following him and trying to be like him. And we can all do that. Because none of us are Perfect. But he is, and his love is, and we can learn from him. And it's such a long race. All we can do is do our best to follow him, to show him, to exemplify him. And I think about, when I think of endurance, when I think about what it says about the storms around us, I think of Peter. And I love the story of him on the water because he literally walks on the water. Like, he actually walks on the water. But then he looks at the storms around him and he sinks. But what happens? Immediately, Jesus has his hand out. You see, sometimes we're going to be walking on water and everything's going to go really well and we're witnessing and, and things feel great. But then we notice the storms and we notice the, the, the bad and we hear the insults or we hear the rumors or whatever and we start to sink. But Jesus' hand will always be out. And all we have to do is choose to grab it. And we learn and we grow and we move forward and we endure we learn how he handled things, how he still called others. We look at Peter, we look at Paul, we look at Ananias, we look at what has come before us and we know that we can do it. And my last quote is kind of cheating because it's from the Bible, but it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That's it. That's how we do this. That's how we do the hard things. That's how we do the easy things. That's how we live our lives. We trust in him. And that can be hard sometimes, but we trust in him. And he will help us to know which path to take. He will help us along the path. He will go with us. And sometimes we're going to forget. And we see that throughout the Bible too, but we keep trying. We keep moving forward. We keep enduring. We keep exemplifying Him. And we make that a part of our story. We make that a part of our witness. To be a Christian means to be like Christ. And so we show that to everyone. Because if we trust Him and don't worry about our own understanding and our own opinions and our own judgments, we trust His. He will help us to follow that path we're called to follow. That's all I got.